Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest of Welcome, 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 Talking Terror fans, to an all-new episode of the show. We are back, we are live, and ready to thrill you, chill you, and terrify you once more. I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to the show. Tonight, it is the Mad Monkey's pick, and he went back to 1961 for his pick with Mr. Sardonicus, directed by the gimmick master himself, William Castle. We're going to get on with that uh, pick a little later on in the show, but first, I'm joined by the bold, the beautiful... He's the motherfucking gold geek, Keith. Hello, 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 everybody. Chill and thrill shit, man. I thought this was all about sucking and fucking. I guess I'm out tonight. No, that's later. <laughs> that's like the last half hour when we drop trial and just start sucking. There's going to be a whole lot of that. <laughs> I thought we just did the whole entire episode, but, you know, hey, whatever. <laughs> no. How's no, everybody work up to it. We hope you're doing really well. And we're also joined by the Mad Monkey himself, fresh out of tapioca, ready to thrill us and chill us. Hey there, Bray fans. I'm the Mad Monkey here, joined by my lovely co-host, the King of Horror, and the Ghoul of Geek himself. And speaking of ghouls, that's exactly what we'll be covering on tonight's episode of Talking Terror. How are you doing, children? I'm doing okay. just well. Don't forget, do. Monkey, he's the Ghoul of fucking Geek. And don't you forget it. Fuck yeah. He's the he's the ghoul. He's the ghoul. And we'll be covering that much later with the ghoul. And if he doesn't do a good job tonight, he's gonna blow his brains out right next to his pool. Promise you that. <laughs> um, if by pool you mean the the little creek in the back of my house, um Yes. I'll pass. But you know what? Short short thing. We're gonna go with that. We're gonna roll with that one, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Roll with it, absolutely. Uh, we are without the demonic doctor tonight as he is traveling, so we'll be covering some horror news in just a little bit. But first of all, wanted to say quickly, if you go on to Facebook.com slash Talking Terror, you can see all my wonderful posts up there. Every week I post at least six to seven posts a day of all things that are happening in the horror world. Like us, comment, share. I see a lot of it going on, and I like mm. it. I like the positive uh, reactions we've been getting to a lot of the posts, a lot of the shares. Uh, the hard nerd himself shared a couple posts the other day. So I'm glad to see that we are getting traction. So go on to Facebook.com, let's mm. talk there, and join the fun. Is that what you're doing Absolutely. on there, man? Shit, I... I normally just, like, pass by. I scroll by, and I'm like, oh, those talking terror guys, they're going at it again, those fuckers. <laughs> we are. This drives on by. Because we're also on Instagram, and that's where you can usually find the ghoul and the demonic doctor tearing things up through the IG, which is Instagram.com slash Talking Terror Presents. So that's where we are on there. So if you want to see uh, the demonic doctor cooking up some octopus or just wandering around Los Angeles somewhere, that's what you can check out on Instagram. 
Yeah, you know, I, uh, I, I give you all a lot of credit, man. You guys uh, definitely keep the social media presence alive and strong. I, uh, I, I post the occasional picture here and there, but for the most part, the doc has, uh, has the IG down on lock, so he's, he's always throwing up interesting yeah. shit, man. I, I always like to keep it to whatever the movie is or, or, or pictures of. Uh, of mm. of my dick or yeah. something like that, you know. <laughs> I mean, my my chicken, chickens. Yeah, yeah. His cock, his cocks and pussy, which you know, if you put in the proper hashtags at the proper time, you know, can result in some really great things. But in the meantime, I just want to sit there and take a super quick moment to sit there and toot my own horn because literally to this day, to this day, today was the very first time that I ever hosted. An episode, July 31st, in 2014, was the very first episode of Talking Terror that I ever hosted with the King, where we did the special Twin Peaks episode. That's right. That was a very good episode to have you on for our first episode, <laughs> talking about something that's very near and dear to our hearts, the Twin Peaks <laughs> episode, where I think we covered every uh, season, the two seasons, plus the movie. So we got a lot done Yeah, the, uh, yeah. three-hour we- time frame. <laughs> yeah, Congrats, it just threw me man. off though that I've. <laughs> it just throws me off that I've been doing this now for five years with you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long road. <laughs> We're glad that you're along for the ride. Five fucking <laughs> yeah. years of torture. He used to be um, so optimistic I... and friendly. Now he's just a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was. I was I was always a dick, but I love broadcasting with you guys. You guys are my horror family. You know, we get together get together every week and t- talk about what we love and not so much love. Uh, looking at some of Doc's picks about horror. <laughs> well, you know they can't all be winners. So we've we've had some bad picks ourselves. Not like oh, yeah. the Doc well, is the only one. He just likes cats. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing a love theme for you, you know. I figure you know, you know, you know, shit going on. He's just gushing about oh. it. Oh yeah. Chicka 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 wow wow. I like oh, to dance yeah. in my underwear and play the flute. Okay, I enjoy it. Not the skin flute, just the regular plain old uh, recorder. That's what you want to call it. Wall truck down now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, when I bend at the right angle, okay, and I lift my left leg, yeah, uh, no, no, nope. I've seen he, he not even close. Wow. He had two ribs removed so that he could play that skin flute, so stop giving him a hard time, okay? Two oh, whole ribs. Marilyn yeah, it now. <laughs> it was a big effort on his part. Um, before I get into some of the things I wanted to talk about tonight before we talk about the movie, uh, the ghoul and I went to go see the, not together, obviously, but the Quentin Tarantino film, What's Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, the oh, ninth really? film in Tarantino's filmography. Uh, I was excited about going in. But, yeah, I wanted to do, like, a little non-spoiler review for people that still want to go see it. But, Google, what were your impressions of the movie? What's your dreams? What's your dreams? Welcome to Hollywood. I had a pretty woman moment. My bad. Oh, <laughs> Uh, Listen, Hollywood. once upon a time Hollywood in Hollywood, <laughs> Ooh, um, you know what? I, again, I've spoken to you. I've spoken to the doc. I've spoken to a good friend, Louie. Um, you know, this movie's like a, it's like a work of genius, you know? And I think, 
you know, mm-hmm. you go into it, if you're going into it with the right mind and the right eyes, you're going to see what it is that Quentin Tarantino has crafted in a, a, a visual medium that tells not only the story of the plot of the film, but actually gives you a representation of what it takes to make a movie from character representations to stunts to, to, to just aging. And there's also a drama and there's also sexy chicks and there's all kinds of crazy shit that goes on. I highly recommend the fucking movie. If you haven't seen it yet, go out, go check it out. Yes. I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino fan, but at the same time, too, this is a movie that you should definitely get out and go see. I've seen it twice now. Oh, really? Yep, I plan on going wow. two times myself. Uh, yeah, uh, to resound what the Gula just said, yeah, if you're a Tarantino fan, you're going to love it. It's got all the trademarks of a good Tarantino film, but it's a great set piece, a great period piece of 1969. Uh, takes place between February and August of 1969. Uh, following the exploits of Rick Dalton, who at one time was a big hot movie star with Bounty Law, and then kind of fell off a little bit, where he just didn't really get the roles he wanted to. And it also follows his best friend, Cliff Booth, played by Brad Pitt, who was his stuntman, who also kind of fell by the wayside because of Rick's dwindling career. Now just kind of works as his, you know, best friend and, and you know, services the antennas and does things like that. But uh, it is definitely not a Manson so if you're going into this movie thinking that you're going to see Tarantino do a take on the Manson family, you're going to be missing out because this is not a Manson movie. This is more of a tale of love letter to the 1960s in Hollywood. Like the ghoul had said, it's more about a love letter to filmmaking back then and to Tarantino in a way to kind of show you what he can do with film. But it's still an enjoyable movie that I feel like for two hours and 50-some-odd minute film, it whipped past. It felt like an hour and 30 minutes. I mean, again, I uh, yeah, like I said, I've, I've seen it two times now. At no point did I feel either viewing that I was looking at my, my phone or, you know, trying right. to see how much time is going to be left. It was just a matter of getting in the ride and enjoying it. And I think more so than any other Tarantino film yet, and it's weird because you would think from my explanation that it wouldn't be this way, um... You know, a lot of Tarantino films are very um, talk-heavy. Uh, I always liken it to, yes. like, you know, yes. you always feel like you're at the the video store and you're talking to that that real heavy-duty movie guy that's the clerk there who seems to know every single thing about every single movie that's ever been released, and he's sitting there and he's going on and on and on, and your fucking eyes are starting to roll behind your head, and you're starting to think back, did you do your taxes this year, and how are you feeling, and, you know, is your mom still alive, and this guy is just droning on and on and on about fucking why the new releases suck, and why the shit that's sitting there gathering dust in the back of the fucking video store is the best shit he's ever seen. Um, Yeah. Unlike a lot of those movies, Tarantino has crafted something visually. He didn't need Mm -hmm. to go into all that kind of dialogue to give that to you. Everything I felt he did with this movie, he did so with the camera itself. He did so with the shots and with the the way things were done. You never get into those talk-heavy diatribes that you've gotten in other Tarantino movies. And I thought that is just a total representation of the the, the maturity that Quentin Tarantino has achieved at this point of his career. Um, You know, if he stays on track from what he said, we've got one more movie from this guy. Um, as far as, you know, 
one more written, directed, produced, and all that stuff. I mean, he might do other things. Uh, I I don't know. I know they've they've had hints that he might do a Star Trek movie. Um, it, it, there's other things that he's been attached to. I don't see CBS slash Viacom attaching him <laughs> to Star Trek. I know his idea sounds no. interesting. Um, I'll, I'll send you guys the link. Uh, for my, again, my friend Louis sent mm. it to me earlier today. Um, it sounds like an interesting idea. I just don't see them doing it. But what's funny is I actually did start thinking about it. And being that they've already got a reputation and a relationship with this one person I'm about to mention, and when you think back to what Star Trek actually did in terms of, you know, blending races and, you know, even from a, a show standpoint, the actual very premise of the show to go out there and discover new life and to, to discover new races and species and, and all these different things. You know, I would wonder if they wouldn't be interested in talking to Jordan Peele about maybe having something to do with Star Trek, if he would have any interest, mm. because I wonder what his perspective using some of the stuff we've seen him do with race relations, but bringing it to a bigger scale. <laughs> Yeah, that could be very interesting. Um, I did. Uh, I've read an article recently about Tarantino wanting to do a Star Trek movie, rated R. Um, I know Simon Pegg had a lot of things to say about that. That uh, Tarantino kind of they have a back and forth right now, you know, between Pegg and Tarantino about you know, well, you got to keep it traditional. You can't just make it a Tarantino film. I mean, it's a lot of uh, back and forth stuff on the internet. So if you want to look it up, it's there. Uh, but Monkey, I don't know if you've ever really said if you're a big Tarantino fan, like, would you be interested in seeing What's Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to see it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only Tarantino movie I have not seen yet is Hateful Eight. I've, I've seen every other Tarantino movie that there is, you know. And, yeah, I mm-hmm. have enjoyed every Tarantino movie that I've seen. It's like – but that's what I w- was getting ready to go to, though, is because, for me, I love all those Gilmore G- Girl moments where they're talking and they're talking so fast. And, you know, they're just – the repertoire that's going back and forth – and you, you, and wanted to ask you guys since the ghoul, the ghoul just mentioned this, King, do you, would you agree that maybe Tarantino then is taking taking a different approach with this movie than he does with all his other movies? Then, oh, yeah, I, I completely agree with what the ghoul had said. With uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's definitely a departure from what we're used to. I mean, even in the Hateful Eight, I know you haven't seen it yet, Monkey, uh, but there are dialogue-heavy sequences in the film as opposed to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he's more crafting the story of these characters, and he's not caring so much about having these long dialogue sequences, where they talk about pop culture, or they just talk about the times. You know, he's kind of stepped away from that for this one, and I think that's what made it a lot different of a film, where you're like, wow, he's actually not doing the dialogue like he's used to doing. He's actually focusing on the character developments and what's going on in the background. Um, and it was great to see, and I think that's why it moved so fast, because he removed a lot of the heavy dialogue. Okay. I've got to wonder how much of that has yeah. to do with this being, you know, his first movie away from the Weinsteins since all of that, you, you know, went down. And I know that, you know, his deal when, you know, it was when the movie was out there to be bid upon, um, you know, Sony ended up winning the, the distribution rights and everything and, you know, the, the ability to make the movie. Um, based on a whole number of things, including him having final say 
on the final cut of the films, um, getting a certain percentage of the, the the money that's made on the film, and a, a number of other things. You know, he wanted a specific budget. They met it, and again, they met all these other terms. So, I think you know maybe that also has something to do with it because this was, you know, with him having final say on it. Is this possibly the most pure vision? from Tarantino that we've gotten to see in which, you know, he's made a film in which he didn't have other people sitting there telling him, well, no, we're going to move this and do this and change that. Now, I don't always feel like that's the best thing, you know, like with, let's say, George Lucas and the prequel films. I think he needed a lot of people to be sitting there saying, you know, this is a bad idea. This isn't going to work. You know, that fucking froggy looking thing that goes, Misa thinks that this is a problem. Uh, He sucks. and uh, We need him out. Yeah, no, like no. Is is yes. <laughs> yeah, but okay, but all of that being said, though, it's like I'm also, you know, because we've been looking at the cast for the past several months now. This thing's got a huge, huge cast of some really big names. And, it's, mm-hmm. you know, that's what was making me think that the studio was definitely 100% trusting Tarantino to do what he wanted to do with this film if they were willing to spend that kind of money on just the cast alone. Well, and here's he, your thing there. Also, uh, mm-hmm. well, what, I, what I was just going to say with that is, is you would think that, except a lot of the cast took major pay cuts to be in a yeah. Tarantino yeah. film, you know. Pitt and DiCaprio oh. took $10 million each to be in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Margot Ro- Robbie, upon being, like, asked, you know, prior to he even being announced in the movie, when it got hinted that she might even be considered for it, she was like, I would kill to be in a Tarantino movie. These people yeah. wanted to yep. work with him. This guy is, I mean, again, he's got a proven track record. Even if you don't love the movie or any of his films, you can't ever not see that it's a Tarantino movie. He's got a specific style. Every single one of his oh, yeah. movies, even if they're vastly different from one another, you just know that it's a Quentin Tarantino film. Even movies that he only wrote or gave like little treatments to, when you look at like Natural Born Killers and, you know, True, uh, romance. True romance and stuff yeah, like True that. Romance. It's 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 oozing him, you know, so even if it's not his film, you know he had something to do with it, because it's just his style, so yeah, at this point, uh, a lot of people would kill to work with the guy. And it was also his biggest opening for any of his films, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, it it broke all the other records for every film he's ever released, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was his biggest grossing film. Mm, Nice. (laughs) Which is great. Great news, you know, and I'm sure the studio is going to be happy with that too. You know, the fact that you know he he made a product and released and it made a lot of money. Yeah. So, and you know, and that, and that was the other thing is I've been reading some review, you know, just some reviews, and a lot of the reviews are coming extremely mixed because yeah. the reviews that yeah. I've been reading are saying that it's exactly what the ghoul was saying was it it doesn't feel like a Tarantino movie. Like so, so, you yeah. know, the, the reviews I've been reading is like they're saying like something's off, you know, and they can't seem to put put their finger well, on. I don't know. I loved it. I mean, you know, it, it maybe it didn't feel entirely like a Tarantino film to them, but it felt like it to me. Like it had all the trademarks of a Tarantino film. 
just not the long scenes of dialogue. Yeah, I mean, yeah, most of the reviews, yeah, yeah, the one, review. I don't, don't read a lot of reviews. Most of the stuff I've read are, are positive towards it anyway. They feel like, you know, the, the characterizations are good and a lot of praise towards Pitt for his role as Cliff yeah. and well, well-deserved. Well, well-deserved, man. Brad Pitt is easily the highlight of the film. I mean, his character is just great. And Mike Moe as uh, Bruce Lee. I was amazed by him because of the striking resemblance to Bruce Lee. And that whole sequence. I can't reveal it get the spoiler, but wait until you see Bruce Lee in this movie and you're going to be like, wow, this is great. <laughs> I'm having a good time, you know, seeing this actor portray the character. Cool. I'm glad you guys both enjoyed so, it so much, man. That's awesome. Yeah, really enjoyed it. I know I'm going to see it at least two more times before at least theaters. And I, just, I love it so much. I want to support Tarantino. So, um, absolutely. Just like I'll, said. I'll um, probably see it again just because I've, uh, you know, not to not to give any kind of specific endorsements, but I finally bit the bullet and signed up with AMC's A-list program, so I get to see three movies we'll talk a about week. That. Yeah, you know, for a flat mm-hmm. fee, which is actually different per whatever state you live in. Um, like so, in the state of Jersey, it's twenty three dollars a month. You get to see three movies a week for no extra cost. You don't got to pay for your ticket. You can reserve your stuff online. It can be three D, IMAX. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Any theater, Fuck, man, anywhere. That's just the price of that's just the price of going twice. <laughs> for exactly. How much they charge for yeah. tickets now? <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. if you're somebody like me who, you know, there's movies that come out all the time and you're sitting there and you're debating, you know, like, yeah, you know, I'd love to go see it. Like me, I love the theater experience. I don't feel like there's any comparison to the sound and to the size. And, right. you know, for me, yeah. it could be the worst movie in the world, but watching it on that screen just automatically just, just puts a smile on my face because it just reminds me of when I was a kid and magic was still alive and I was watching like Star Wars and, you know, E.T. and, you know, Poltergeist and stuff like that. Um, you know, I still get that feeling. And so, like, this week after I signed up, like, I went and saw Crawl. You know, some cheesy uh, Alexandra Aha alligator in the basement type of horror flick. Oh, 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 so it's the Raimi produced one? Yes. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't, didn't think about it. For I had to think about what you said for a minute. Yeah. Um, I personally thought it was a bit of a disappointment, but you know, overall, it wasn't a terrible movie, but it was also the kind of movie that I wouldn't have paid to see in the theater right. if yeah. I didn't have this program. And that's what I think this program is perfect for, you know, no matter what. I'm going to make my ass go to the theater 12 fucking times a month to watch 12 <laughs> movies now, you know, for somebody like me who saw Endgame six times. You know, this is perfect for me. Now, so, it is. now well, now that you brought that up, I because this is something that's just, just been rolling around in the back of my head, is like going to watch the movie, it's like the sound is awesome, all right? But you, I know you love your TV. I know you love your fucking 4K, you know, your crisp, clear image. You know, you love that crystal image. And it just seems like now the quality of movies being projected just can't even come <clears throat> close to once you get it at home and you're watching it on your big screen TV. Doesn't matter. Because you know what, again... Big screen TV, like I have my TVs, I have like a 43 inch and like a 50 inch or something like that. Um, even like I was at a guy's house 
last week, you know, and in his basement, his big man cave, he's got a 90-inch television screen. Obnoxiously what? fucking gi- 90 inches. 90-inch <laughs> TV that he's sitting there playing fucking NBA 2K whatever year, 2K19, whatever it is, the most recent one. Okay. And, like, I'm looking at okay. it, and again, it's this gigantic fucking TV, man. Like, huge. But... Still, nothing compares to a movie theater screen. Nothing compares to when you're looking. Like, I, I, Endgame just released yesterday. And, you know, I've, yep. I've watched, you know, the whole, I watched the whole movie at least once already at home. Uh, you know, as soon as I bought it at, like, 12.15 at night, I fell asleep watching a show. I woke up at, like, 12.15, and the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, shit, Endgame's out. So I went... Backed everything up, went to my freaking store, purchased Endgame, and put it on, and fell asleep before fucking Thanos lost his head. And if that's a spoiler for anybody out there, blow me, okay? Because it's only been out for fucking three months, and it's available at home yeah, digital release <laughs> now anyway. Um, <laughs> but regardless, the fact of the matter is, is, you know, as soon as I put it on, as soon as I started watching it, as soon as, you know, it goes to those scenes in space with Tony floating there in the Benatar and everything... I was so happy that I saw this so many times in the theater because when you take it down in size, it's, it's still a great movie. You know, it still hits all the emotional notes. It's still just as fun to watch, but it's smaller. So the scope Mm -hmm. of those large battles at the end of the film contained, you know, it's like when you watch something on your phone, you know, I know some people like to do that. I can't, I hate watching shit on my phone. So again, yeah, yeah. theater, love it, love it, love it, love it. They give you all kinds of other discounts too. You get like I don't know priority lines and shit like that, which I'm sorry, I'll probably never use. I just feel like a dickhead <laughs> if there's some fucking line yeah. of people trying to buy concessions and I'm like the asshole that walks over to the A-list line and they're like, oh, we gotta take you first. Hello. If I if I was one of the other people, I'd be like, oh fuck you, guy. Shout <laughs> out, cousin. I got the pass. <laughs> <laughs> Go, oh, oh, oh. It's like fucking Wayne's World, you know, when they're showing their VIP passes. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, oh. We cool. VIP. We cool. VIP. We cool. Yeah. We cool. <laughs> yeah. <sure. laughs> um, but but yeah, so it's a very cool program. Like I said, you get all kinds of reward points, discounts, shit like that, free refills on popcorn and soda if you so be it. But again, for me, the movies, all about the movies. I'm gonna be seeing yeah. so many damn movies, man. I'm loving them all. That's a great program. Great program, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you see. You know what you get for free. Uh, but moving on, uh, I want to talk about something that's really been gaining a lot of steam uh, recently, and it involves Halloween. No, not the movie, but the actual holiday itself. October 31st, the traditional holiday of Halloween. Apparently, there's a petition rolling around that's got 63,000 signatures and growing. 63,000 signatures and growing to move Halloween to the last Saturday of the month of October to get rid of October 31st. Uh, That's it. a lot, like I said, it's stupid to me. I don't like it. It's only 63,000, though. I mean, that's like nothing. It's like a fart. Yeah, it's still 63,000. Like, if you would have said, like, okay, I got to, like, a... I said 63,000. You know how many people are in the United States of America, man? It's like I, yeah, I know. 397 still, million people in this country. 63,000, like I said, is like mm. I, I drop a load on the floor, <laughs> yeah. and that's that's more, you know what I mean? From from a from a scientific scope scale standpoint, that's more people. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah. I mean, yeah. 
No, go I ahead, know what sorry. Has to say. No, I want to know what you have to say on it because you have kids. All right. So. Uh, no, it's just uh, I'm a huge fan of Halloween. Uh, you guys know that. We, we all are. We, we, if you saw our costumes last year, yeah, ghoul, you won. <laughs> you had the best costume <laughs> yeah. last year. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we all love Halloween and stuff like that. But I do see both sides of it where, you know, there's the whole thing of, you know, th- there are certain aspects that the king's going to talk about that for why it should stay October 31st. But then there's the other thing about, you know, the other big, big reason, which is kids, all right, and going out and trick-or-treating and the bullshit you have of the towns going around already anyway. It doesn't matter what day it falls on you know, of the towns going around and changing the date of Halloween by themselves and going, okay, well, Halloween's going to be this day, but then trick-or-treating is going to be on this day, you know, which is fucking bullshit. It's, you know, if you're going to celebrate it, fucking celebrate yeah. it. But this is why I can also see and back moving it to the petition date of the last Saturday of the month because then you have a solid day every year. It's going to float around just like Easter. Uh, both are based on scary ghost zombies. All right. And <laughs> and it, it can still work for families for doing the trick-or-treating. That aspect of it I see. But, King, what you're getting ready to go to, I totally agree with as well. Here you go. The floor is yours. <laughs> well, and I want to get the ghoul steak real quick, so I'll be quick as oh, I can. Oh, sorry, ghoul. Uh, it's just that October 31st <laughs> is tradition. It, it's because it's not just, oh, October 31st, let's go trick-or-treating and put on scary movies. It's more of a, a paganistic standpoint um, and religious almost in a lot of ways of having All Hallows' Eve land on October 31st because the day before ends the fall solstice, especially in Ireland, which is where it came from, which is Solwen. Everybody says Samhain. It's not Samhain. What? It's, it's, not, it's not Samhain? <laughs> no, it's Samhain. It's Samhain. But it's the, the, the end of the harvest and the beginning of the new season when the veil between the living and the dead is the thinnest. So it's got a lot of historical value. It's not just let's put on costumes and go get candy. So to move it to the last Saturday of the month, I get it from a trick-or-treating standpoint. So parents can go to sexy costume parties. I get that, too. But it's basically like saying, hey, let's move Christmas up to December 1st because we want to get the fuck over with. <laughs> that's To I, me, that's I, what it's like. I, well, I'd be fine with that, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Gu, uh, what do you think about this, moving it? Uh, so, again, like I, you got to remember something. Samhain, Halloween, All Hallows' Eve. They're actually, like, yes, they are all very much similar and all based in the same thing, but they are all three different things. Um, yes. You know, Samhain being the, the fall solstice and everything. All Hallows' Eve is, you know, the, the day before the All Hallows' Day, which is why everything was Day. celebrated on October yeah, 31st, Day. because November mm-hmm. 1st is All Saints' Day. Um, yeah. So the whole idea of, of that comes from that on the Christian standpoint, not the, the pagan standpoint. Yep. Um, so really Halloween at that point is based on November 1st being the date, just like Christmas Eve is December 24th because Chris, Christmas is December 25th. Um, as far as moving it to, you know, the, the, the last Saturday of October, for a safety standpoint for the kids – I get it. You know, they say that, you know, if you look up, I guess, the 
the incidence of fatal car accidents as far as pedestrian mm. fatalities for juveniles is doubled right. over the course, I think, of a 20-year you know, checking of this, and that is on Halloween as opposed to every other day of the year. Um, you know, kids are out, they're about, they're, they're trick-or-treating. You know, they're kids. As much as we want to sit there and tell them to look both ways, do this, do that, check this, check that. I mean, hell, man, half of them have their faces in their fucking phones even when they're trick-or-treating anyway these <laughs> yeah. days. You know, but they're, yeah. they're, they're kids. They're picking their ass and wandering out in the middle of the street, not looking. They're thinking, oh, I want to go across the street because there's Johnny with a fucking big bag of shit. I want to find out where he went and got that thing from, you know? Um uh, it's it's again the last thing I ever want to see is you know any kid getting injured, especially on something like that. Also, from a parenting standpoint, you know you're you're working during the middle of the week. Let's say it's on a Wednesday or a Tuesday or something like that. Now you got to kind of fall into that category of oh well, do I find out if I can get off early from work so that I can go trick or treating with my kid, or am I going to be stuck working so that I can experience trick or treating with my kid? I can't have that enjoyment of doing that kind of thing. And then you get turned around and then they tell you, oh, you're a bad fucking parent because you never did anything with your kids. And it's like, well, assholes. I had to work. You know, it was Tuesday. Change fucking Halloween to a Saturday and we'll be good. No. <laughs> so I, I can see yeah, I yeah. why it's useful in those regards. And even from a school standpoint, you know, like the schools these days, they don't really want the kids coming in with costumes anymore anyway. They've kind of taken all the fun out of that. Like I remember as a kid, you know, going to fucking school, fifth grade, I was Jason Voorhees, (laughs) you know, and I had the full jumpsuit, hockey mask. I took fake blood, smeared it all over the mask, even though that made no sense. There was really never any point that I remember (laughs) seeing in any of the movies, Jason having blood all over his mask. But I was just like, whatever. Blood all over my fucking face. Didn't matter. And I walked around the school with my gigantic fake knife. I had one of the knives that had like the the blood in it, so that when you turned it certain ways, oh, it would fill nice. with blood and look like it had blood all yep. over it. The other way, it didn't. You know, another year I went as a fucking killer <laughs> clown from outer space. I walked around school as a killer clown from fucking outer space, full like mask, costume, big fucking puffy body, the whole nine. You're not allowed to really do that kind of shit anymore. You can't wear a mask. You not anymore. Wear anything that covers nope. your face in any way. No. Because, you know, they don't know who you are. Um, yeah, done. Yeah, you know, so cool so moving it to the Saturday kind of gives – it takes the pressure off of everybody else with it. You know, and that that I can never – you know, I can never fault. Now, as far as it from a traditional standpoint, does it suck to do that? Of course, you know, and everybody who, you know, claims that they love this and they love that and that they're this religion and they're that religion, they should never change this and we should never alter that. Just remember, a lot of these things have been altered over the fucking years before you ever even were existing in the first place anyway, man. Shit that happened, you know, 2,000 years ago shouldn't impact shit that happens today, man. We're a different society. Mm Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, that's why I said I, I understand both sides. To me, it's just tradition. Even on October 31st, that's the way it's always been since I was alive, you know. But if they do change it, it's not really going to affect anything. You're still going to do shit on October 31st. You're still going to watch horror films. You're still going to, you know, hang out and have a good time. It's just that for a standpoint of trick-or-treating, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, go out and do it the last Saturday of the mm-hmm. month. That way your parents, like the ghoul mm-hmm. said, you can't get that day mm-hmm. off. You can't, you know, mm-hmm. go trick-or-treating with the kids. No, you mm-hmm. can't. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I do yep. get it. Yep, and is the diva dressing up as Batgirl? Oh, hell fucking yes, she is. 
Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> I'll tell you, best, best female costume I'd ever seen, man. Me, Dave, fucking, we all went to some fucking big costume party in Philadelphia, man. And there was this chick dressed as Jessica Rabbit, and holy shit. Like, wow. Yes. Yes, please. Yes. Yeah. That I, was, I, was trying, I was trying really, really, really hard, and I came close. She was lit, and she had no, no idea where her friend had gone. Her friend had, like, pretty much bounced on her, and she was going to be, like, left there to, to the wilds, and we were trying to figure out if we can get her back to the hotel room. And then her friend, like, showed up and was like, where have you been? I've got the cab outside. It's time to go. And I'm like, Jessica, no. You play <laughs> patty cake. Patty cake. <laughs> Stay with me. Stay. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Um, but yeah, moving on from the holiday of Halloween to the holiday uh, of the movie Halloween, uh, Demonic Doctor brought it up last week about how they're going to be releasing two more sequels to 2018's Halloween. One next year is going to be called Halloween Kills, and then in 2021 we're going to get Halloween Ends. David Gordon Are Green re- said this week. Are they I'm sorry. What with those titles? I said, are they seriously yes, sticking with those right titles? Now, as of right now, they're still sticking with those titles. It can always change, but the, right now they're sticking with those titles. Uh, anyway, and, uh, Halloween, and for the third one, they're thinking Halloween tells, and the fourth one, they're mm-hmm. thinking Halloween smells. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and this is my point about it: is that David Gordon Green did an interview where he said, "We're doing it this way because we want to effectively end the story of Laurie Strode." <laughs> And Michael Myers. This is it. This is the last two movies. Whatever they do with Michael after my two films, they can do whatever they want with it. Okay. Well, first of all, like you said that with 2018. Like you said, this is it. Yeah. This is going to be the final battle. This is it. Like the confrontation you've been waiting 40 years for, you're going to get it. Well, no, obviously they were setting it up because they wanted to make more sequels so that they're, they're doing it that way. But this leads into my said. other. Yeah. Which leads into my other tidbit of information is that David Gordon Green said that he wants to have Tommy Doyle from the original Halloween in Halloween Kills. Whether or not he's going to get the original actor, Brian Andrews, who played Tommy in the first film, that's up to debate. They don't know if he's going to get him yet. But what's interesting is that they approached Paul Rudd. you got to get Paul Rudd back. That's what you got to get. Fuck the other kid, man. Sorry. Sorry, kid. Sorry, kid. Get Paul Rudd. That's I know it doesn't make any sense because all those sequels weren't supposed to happen. But you get Paul exactly, Rudd, okay? Yeah. Because Paul Paul Rudd yeah. one has got a built-in audience. Paul Rudd two is really fucking funny, and Paul Rudd three. I love yeah. seeing anything with Paul Rudd in it. I just want to give fucking Paul yeah. Rudd a big hug, man. <laughs> but that's my point: is that I I would not mind Paul Rudd being in the movie at all. I, I'd be fine with it because I liked him in Halloween Six. But the problem is, is that now you're going to say, well, yeah, Paul Rudd's going to be in his movie. He's going to be Tommy Doyle. That's fine. But now you're saying that you can't recon these movies anymore because any Halloween fan with their dirt is going to say, yeah, that's him from part six. So you're going to tell me that part six exists now? Because that was our problem with Halloween 2018 in general is that they're trying not to recon these movies, but yet they kind of are with a lot of their sequences. You know, and it's like, well, you, know, you I, could I don't know. still bring him back as Tommy Doyle. It just doesn't, it doesn't mean that Halloween 6 happened. That's like saying with Rob right. Zombie's Halloween that when you bring Danielle Harris in as Annie, you know, that, that she's still Jamie from Halloween 4 and 5. 
you know, same actor, actress can play, you know, this, a similar role. I mean, obviously she was playing a completely different character, but, you know, the reality is, is he can be playing the same named character and he's just going to get Paul Rudd instead, you know? I'm yeah. all for it. And I wouldn't mind. I honestly wouldn't mind. Because I know I, I've seen Brian Andrews recently, and it's like, if you, if you want to do it, that's fine. I would prefer Paul Rudd. But, uh, Monkey, where do you <laughs> fit in on this? Because you weren't here last week. When we talked about Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, so where do you stand on these next two sequels? Uh, dude, uh, seriously, I'm just of the mindset of we can seriously just let them go. <laughs> we really, really don't need these movies at all, man. Um, seriously, just let let this franchise go. <laughs> just make some new stuff. Um, yeah, let I'm just Mike really, Myers really worried. Go. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm just really worried about this because every time they keep talking about, you know, we're going to do something and we're going to write it so it ends, and then they always leave it with an open ending yeah. or some shit. You know, they still mm-hmm. leave it with an open ending. Yeah, they always I, do. And yeah. good, cool. I think if I think if he's <laughs> here's the problem. I mean, the problem comes down to you have the people that are making the film itself, the people that are writing it, the creative director. Yeah so forth and so forth, but they're not the people that own the franchise. So even if that director, let's say, decides, hey, at the end of this, this, this movie, whichever the, the, the second one is, just, these movies are going to go through a name change. There's no way they're going to yeah. fucking come out with fucking names like that. <laughs> I really hope that. Please, please. I think right, I think right now they're enjoying the the bit of blowback from people being like, "What the fuck is wrong with you people in those names?" <laughs> I think by the time it gets closer to release, we're gonna have actual names for these films. Um, but if they keep it, they keep it. Whatever, whatever the second one is, though. Even if they take Mike Myers at that point and put him through a fucking tree churner, you know, where they're spitting him out and he's <laughs> yeah. nothing but goo, ooze, blood, and little flecks of bone. You know, that can be the definitive end for that creator's version of Michael Myers. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Yeah, They'll yeah. bring another director in four years later who will be like, well, I'm going to make this movie take place, you know, in an alternate reality where Halloween 3, <laughs> you know, which Michael Myers was actually a fictional character within it, but we're going to get the actor who played Michael Myers in that fictional character role and make him actually go psycho so that he can be a real-life killer in a real-life version where masks are still turning people's heads into bugs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's also – I was glad you brought that up, Ghoul, because they did say that Nick Castle is going to return for Halloween Kills. I was like, great, another 30-second cameo by Nick Castle, everybody. <laughs> you know, it shouldn't be news that he's returning. Like, I don't know why everybody's like, oh, shit, he's returning for Halloween Kills. And it's like, what? Tommy Tommy Jarvis in. That's what they need <laughs> to do, man. Tommy Jarvis versus Michael Myers. <laughs> I can see that. Come on, Michael. Come on, you pussy. <laughs> Come on, maggot head. <laughs> I, you know, hey, listen, if they cross universes, I would not mind that. But, you know, like we, the, the, the movies are going to come out either way. Um, I'm just hoping, like we've been talking about, that they change the titles. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can't really tell me kill. That's like a direct DVD sequel, that's not a theatrical. <laughs> You know, that's, you know, a sci-fi fan, original. Fan film. Hellraiser Inferno, you know. <laughs> Hellraiser Terror. Yeah. You know? Halloween. No, well, Colin Kills. <laughs> yeah. Halloween, are you tired of it yet? <laughs> you know? 
you know, Halloween, Michael Myers is still not quite dead, but not alive, but he's still living. <laughs> Halloween, how do we write us out of this paradox? Where we locked him in a cellar where he couldn't get out, but now he's alive again. Part two. <laughs> I, I think by the second Halloween, they'll introduce time travel and the quantum realm. And somehow Disney will acquire the rights, and we will finally have the Marvel Halloween crossover that nobody knew they wanted. <laughs> but what we need, most importantly. Um, but uh, going away from Halloween uh, to The Lost Boys, which actually had a premiere today, 32 years ago, July 31st, 1987, that film was released in the theaters. Um, but what I wanted to talk about is the CW series, The Lost Boys. I didn't have time to talk about it last week uh, because we got into the movie. But the original pilot that was filmed has been completely scrapped. And the entire cast, with the exception of two people, have been fired from the pilot. What a surprise. <laughs> yeah. So the pilot was filmed. It was directed by a, uh, yeah. It was directed by Catherine Hardwick, who did Twilight. Uh, she directed the pilot, and they said, we don't like it, so we're going to rewrite the entire thing, and then we're just going to fire everybody, and we're going to keep on two of the actors. One of them plays a character named Stella, that's Medallion Rahimi, uh, who plays the Star Trek character. <laughs> and uh, we're also getting Dakota Shapiro, who's going to play the Keeper Sutherland character of David. So he was kept over. But everybody else, the Frog Sisters, everybody was fired. And they are now going to be yeah, shooting the pilot Goliath? brand new in the fall. Is he playing David? <laughs> Who's playing Goliath? I don't know, yeah. Dave. But, <laughs> but did, didn't they already do this, though, and fire everyone except the Frog Sisters? Didn't they already do a complete no. cast change? I do not know where you got that from because you kept bringing that up last night. And I said, no, they did not. Yeah. They fired yeah. everybody in one sweep except for the characters playing uh, Stella and David. The Frog Sisters were still there in the original pilot. Now they're gone. Now they're going back into the fall, and they're going to film a brand new pilot with a 40% rewrite of the original script. And it just to me, it just seems like this is doomed. This project is just nope. I don't know what you guys think, but that's the way I think of it. Yeah, it's like they obviously don't want this thing to get made. <laughs> so it's, it's like the producers. They spent a lot of money for something not to happen. <laughs> I... I think that this is probably more of, I mean, you know, listen, we don't obviously get to see what was getting done. We don't get to see what the work was. We don't see what Catherine Hardwick, you know, whatever she had put into it. Um, I just have a feeling, though, this might be more of about the television, you know, company hearing all the feedback from fans who were sitting there and talking shit about it. And they're listening, um, which is not always a good thing, um, you know, whereas I, I do feel that, you know, in some cases, yes, obviously, if you're if you have a specific fan base that you're going for and and, and they're coming back and they're going up against you and, and you're not liking what you're hearing, they're not liking what they're seeing, then, yeah, they're not going to tune in. I feel like you get somebody like Catherine Hardwick, though, because she can work with like, you know, younger actors and actresses. You know, she did Twilight. Whether you love yeah. it or you hate it, mm-hmm. it was a successful movie. Now, she only did the first one. That's the only one she directed. Um, right. But, she, you know, the, the, the movie that I know her from was an Evan Rachel Wood movie called 13. 13? 
which was oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which was a Great was movie. a really kind of like a, a fucked up <laughs> film that gave yeah. you like this this weird little intimate portrait of what it was like to be like this this midwestern fucking I don't know kind of a slub essentially um but yeah. it was it was yeah. really an interesting film and I loved what she got out of the performers you know and I like Evan Rachel Wood as an actress um but I felt like she got like a really great performance out of her in particular in that movie um so I think when you get somebody like that, that's what you're looking for. You're not you're not making the Lost Boys TV series to appease to the people that liked the movie in the 80s. You're making the mm-hmm. Lost Boys right now yep. to appease to the younger fucking audience out there, to the 18-year-olds, to the 14-year-olds, to the girls that are sitting at home and they all want to look at fucking Dreamy Edwards. They need the new Edward or Edwina. You want to make the Fox yeah. sisters since everybody's gender fluid <laughs> these days, you know? It's, it's, all, it's all the fucking one big fucking bloody nightmare of sexual fucking frustration. That's the target audience, though. That's who you're going for, you know, so you shouldn't be listening to the fucking 40-something-year-olds or the 50-something-year-olds that are sitting there saying, well, you're not being traditional to the characters that were there. You know, Kiefer Sutherland, he was awesome, man. He was so sexy. You know, like, look, man, whether they're women, whether they're men, like, okay, granted, listen, part of your audience is going to be older women. Okay, yeah, but oh, at yeah. the same time, those are not the ones that you want to listen to as far as what's sexy. Okay, because yes, they're still looking at Kiefer Sutherland in the 80s and saying he's sexy. They're not looking at Kiefer Sutherland on stage at fucking, you know, Starland Ballroom a couple weeks ago. He's older. (laughs) Is he still hot? Yeah, okay, but he's hot for his age. You want younger people, sexy, not old. So don't listen to old people. So hopefully whatever they're doing is, you know, for their benefit and the show isn't a complete flop and people don't lose money and people don't lose jobs. But. Well, Whatever yeah, it'll be, what yeah. it'll be. Just make your fucking vision. That's what I always say. Like, don't listen to goddamn fans. Because if you listen to the goddamn fans, you're going to be stuck for years trying to figure out how to make it just right for everybody. How do we appease the Lost Boys fans? How do we appease the women that want to watch mm. this show? How do we appease the teenagers? Just make what you want and hope for the best. And if it's great, it's great. Mm. If it flops, it flops. But just do what you want to do. And I don't know. Like, to me, I just like, wow. But- <laughs> but for but for all of this for all of this going around in circles and whatnot, all it's going to be is just another pretty boy C- CW show. It's just going to be another one of just another classic yeah. C- CW WB show. You know, pretty people showing off their abs. You know, it's going to be the exact same thing, except this time the storyline is going to be based off of the Lost Boys. It's going to be the exact which same is, thing. It's going to be which is why I don't just get like it. Riverdale. But that's the thing, like, I don't get it. They've had success with the Vampire Diaries. They've had success with the originals. They've had success with Riverdale. You know what I mean? Like, they've had shows that all kind of fall within a similar wheelhouse and and similar audience. So why are they going so crazy trying to change this, you know? Like, that's that's what I'm not getting. So unless they're trying to hit some other demographic that doesn't make any sense, I don't know. It's not like it's going on like no. CWC or whatever the fuck that is that plays like, uh, I guess that's their streaming site that plays like every mm-hmm. single old TV series from like the late 90s, like One Tree yep. Hill and fucking Dawson's Creek and, and stuff like that. Um, Beak on the Creek. You know, <laughs> listen, you know, I love I love the Creek, yo. So I'm going good <laughs> with the Creek. I love the Dawson's, yo. 
<laughs> but um, I want to talk about one more before we get into the movie because this is something else that I found out on Friday night. Uh, something that we don't need, but it's going to get made anyway. Uh, James Yay. Wan is going to be producing a I Know What You Did Last Summer TV series for Amazon. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He's producing it, and Shay Hatton, who wrote John Wick 3, is going to be writing the script based on the 1997 film directed by Jim Gillespie, starring Jennifer Love Hewitt and Ryan Felipe and Sarah Michelle Geller. Why do we need this? That's my question, guys. Right, but again, it's just going to be another thing that what we literally just talked about is going to just be another template, this time based on the universe of I Know What You Did Last Summer. It's just cookie-cutter shit now of take your pretty actors and put them in this scenario. Take your pretty actors and put them in that scenario. But that's what they did in the 90s anyway, man. Remember, I Know What You Did Last Summer was a novella. Before it was ever a movie, and it was an old story. Right. You know that that's yep, not like it, it wasn't like Kevin Williamson wrote the original thing. He took the original thing and and crafted it. You know, with a smart satirical '90s fucking spin on it. I think making it a TV series kind of makes sense in this day and age. You don't want to go theatrical; it costs too much money. You can get a young, hip. Relatively unknown group of cast, maybe cast like one or two older actors that are somewhat known from older television series. Um, shit, get Freddie Prince Jr. to play like one he's of the kids' dads, shit. you know? Exactly. because yeah, he's not doing a damn um, thing. It's <laughs> like a nod to the original movie. No, nah, I don't think so, man. I, I think he kind of just disappeared. He's got his dad's he, money he, and his money, so it's not like he has to do anything, man. Well, he's just banging his head Miller at this point. Yeah, he's got her money too. <laughs> I got Buffy money, y'all. I'm a, I, I could be completely wrong, man. You know, what I mean, I, I don't know. I don't look up Freddie Prince Jr. on the reg, but you know, I know I haven't seen him in anything, but I'm also not looking for him. But but yeah, no, no. I, I can see why they make it. You know, you you try to watch that old movie. You know, I say old, man. Shit, I remember seeing it in the movie theater, so that just goes to tell you yeah. how old I am. Um, <laughs> But it's definitely dated. Well, you know, it's one of those where the the, 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 the outfits, the look of it, everything about that movie just screams that that oversaturated late nineties market of like, hey, we're all too hip and all too smart. We're smarter than all of you people coming to see this movie because that's why we're making all the money. I agree. <laughs> I, yeah. No, I completely agree. But, yeah, it's just, again, they're going to sit there and do the cookie-cutter thing and just move them over here. But, you know, like the ghoul said, they make a good point, though. If you're going to actually do this, take your time, but make it scary. You know, actually make it scary uh, um, and take your time the with the scary. He's a fisherman. Yeah. He can't be scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by my fish stick. Dumb. I hated that. <laughs> I saw I saw both in the theater. The first and second one. I'm like, when is it going to get scary? <laughs> yep. No, it's going to be scary. Yeah. And first time I saw the fisherman, I was just like, I was waiting for a Scooby Doo bad guy, and then you know, lo and behold, they went and started making Scooby Doo movies right after this. <laughs> it's Mr. Smithers, the old proprietor of the amusement park. <laughs> I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you, kids and your fucking dog. Yeah. What? It was really yeah. done, not. 
or put the thumbs down for moral punishment for for Baron Sardonicus. And it is all up to us on what ending we will get in this William Castle film. And that's the description. All right. But but I, before we get into all of this and whatnot, I want to say that the first time I saw this movie, all right, was I saw it on Zvin Cooley a, a couple months ago, and I loved watching it. I wanted to bring it up on the show. But for those of you listening at home that don't know who Sven Gulli is, he's a, a fun, family-friendly, old-school, you know, horror television host based out of Chicago um, that broadcasts and does the old-school shtick of going, coming on before and after the commercials, talking about the movie, picking on the movie and stuff like that. And just wanted to talk to you guys and see if you guys remember any of your old-school horror hosts. That you watched as Good. you were growing up as a kid. What do you got, Ghoul? Uh, you know, for me, I would. I I don't know. Whatever you want to call it, ADHD or just just not interest. Um, like hosts for that kind of stuff, they always seem so schlocky and cheesy. I remember like Joe Bob Briggs. Um, I remember the chick from Up All Night. You know, Up. All night, like Ronda that, girl, that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, dude, for me, it was like in out. You know, I, I don't know. I guess for me, the only host that I really think is the hostess with the mostest was Elvira, man. And uh, mm. aside from that, I, I really don't think of any of the other ones. And Elvira was because she had a fucking great set of tits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think about Mr. Sardonic? Yeah. Uh, the film itself. Uh, you know me with these older films. Um. Yeah, this one was a bit of a, a bit of a slog, you know. It was, it, it, it was nothing fantastic. It was nothing horrible. I found it a little bit boring at times. Uh, it plodded along. Kind of disappointed with the whole ending thing, more so because you know I know it's a gimmick. I know there's no alternative ending. You know, there's no happy version of it. That's just right. it was never shot. It was never cut. It was all bullshit. Um, you know, which is just kind of silly, you know. But I guess audiences back then, they wouldn't know that. So I'm sure that if you were in the theater, like, and that's the thing. I think, like, you know, again, if I was back in 1961 and I went to the to the theater and I saw this movie, I would probably enjoy the shit out of it. Hell, if I went to the movie theater to go see this movie now, I would enjoy it with an audience, you know, an audience that was into yeah. it and having fun and that kind of deal. Like these older movies, mm. I feel work in that capacity better mm. than they do when you're at home mm. by yourself, just kind of mm. sitting there watching it on your television. Now, King, how about you tell me what you thought of it? And then let's go back to what the ghoul said, because I like to go back, back into more of the William Castle stuff. If that's cool with you guys. <clears throat> sure. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, because I'm pretty versed in William Castle and his gimmicks. Yeah. <laughs> For all but, movies. So, I'm a huge yeah, but Castle what, fan. But what did you think of the movie? He loves how he gives the reach around. <laughs> yeah, I do. I love it because it's comfortable and it feels right. Um, no, Mr. Sardonicus, uh, to resound the ghoul, yes, it's a bit of a slog. Uh, it's, it's not his best film by far. Uh, Mr. Sardonicus, in all of William Castle's films, I think it, it's low for me on the scale of all of his movies because it, I, I don't really like the 1800 setting, you know, and, it, but it moves kind of fast. When you think about it, when you do watch it, it's, they get into the action pretty quick. It doesn't take very long for Sir Robert to get to uh, Gorslava 
where he meets Sardonicus and his old flame mod, and mm-hmm. Sardonicus is basically putting the task with figuring out how to solve his face problem. Classic so that, Slava, uh, that's where you want to go. Slava, yeah. Don't even know where so it is. Classic Slava, that is for girls. No. Very nice girls. You want to go like this? Yeah. You go to Bratislava. No. no, no. I would never, ever, ever go back to Berlin. No, I will. <laughs> I will. I, I will cut off and eat my own nutsack before I ever go back to Berlin. <laughs> he, says, he says something about it. I once killed a man and like hit his body. You know, when I was in Berlin. Berlin. <laughs> no Berlin. Nice. But yeah, it's it, it, you know Guy Raw playing Sardonicus. I think is the highlight of the film. Because he is so sinister, you know, he doesn't give a fuck who he has to hurt to get this uh, problem solved, you know, including his own wife. Doesn't give a fuck, you know. I'll, I'll kill you before I have to deal with my face being fucked up for this my entire life. Um, him and Crawl, same thing. I fucked up your eye. What are you gonna do, bitch? I'm Sardonicus. Whatever, motherfuckers. Like, you know, I mean, it's, you know, the way he carried himself was really great. Um, but yes, uh, Woodcastle was the king of gimmicks, and this movie we had the punishment pole. Um, with House on Haunted Hill, he had a Murgo, where at the end of the film, a skeleton would go flying across the top of the ceiling in the theater with glowing red eyes. Um, he had Percepto, which was a tingler seat that had joy buzzers underneath the seats. So if you sat in a particular seat that had a joy buzzer, you would get buzzed whenever the tingler creature was around. Uh, for homicidal and for macabre. What? Oh, I just said it flicked your beam. Yeah, it's supposed to be. And there you go. It would. And I'm sure a lot of ladies loved it. Um, but for Macabre, he had a $1,000 life insurance policy from Lloyd's of London. Uh, for okay. Homicidal, which, which was his take on Psycho, he had Coward's Corner. So he had a lot of gimmicks back in the day. Yeah, but also he was touring around with these movies himself a lot of the time. Oh, yeah, he was though. always there. And yep. because, like you, because, like you said, with Macabre, you know, he was out giving uh, life insurance policies, you know, in case anyone should die of fright from this movie. Personal. But then also, yeah. yeah, but then also having hearse, hearses and ambulances outside of the movie theaters to carry away any possible dead bodies and actual live nurses on staff, you know, yeah. but in case anyone should sit there and become, you know, fright, frightfully yeah. dead. In case they <laughs> died, there's nurses there that could carry the bodies out. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the greatest gimmick that he did was, I think, Percepto for Tingler, where he actually rigged up a system that could be a joy buzzer and, yeah. and shock people. You know, I mean, it was like back in the 60s, you can get away with yeah. it now. You couldn't. Yeah. If you did that now, people would sue the theater. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. No, 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 no. Because, well, no, because I want to take it back because on the flip side, okay, you say no, they can't do that. But now they have the 4D seating and special theaters, mm-hmm. remember? Where the entire yeah, but not like that. Yeah, well, but not yeah. like Percepto, where you're being buzzed underneath your seat. Well, you know, yeah, you, you buzz the wrong by, person, they uh, can be like, "I'm having a heart attack." Uh, yeah, by by surplus military motors, no less. That's what they used to to do that. Yeah, and and I remember watching um, a special that John Waters had, where it was a one man mm-hmm. show of him talking about it and. Him talking about going to see the John, I mean, going to see the Castle movies and sneaking into the theater beforehand and looking for the right seats 
that had those motors under him so that yep. he could get the full experience of going to see the Tingler. <laughs> oh, yeah. He wanted to find those seats. He wanted to sit mm-hmm. in Percepto. You know, and because I mean, imagine yeah. that. you're sitting in the theater, yeah. the lights go down, and Vince Price says, "Scream for your lives!" The thing was in the theater, and all of a sudden your seat starts buzzing. Like, mm. you know, to be in that mm. theater back then was a huge <laughs> deal. You know, because he put on a show. Like I said in mm-hmm. the group chat, Wayne Castle was the Lloyd Kaufman of the '60s. He was a showman. You know, he wanted to give you a show. He wanted to give you a gimmick. He wanted to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah, and now, King, didn't you say that uh, one of your parents, like, actually at one time got to actually sit in an, a, an actual William Castle presentation? Uh, my dad, he, uh, back in the day, he went to go see uh, House in Haunted Hill uh, with the Emergo skeleton, and he also went to go see uh, 13 Ghosts. They had the 3D glasses where one side was red, you could see the ghosts, and the other side was blue, that would take them away. So, yeah, he went to go see both of those in the theater. And he talks about it to this day, about how cool it was to sit in the theater and have this gimmick. And everybody's jumping up and throwing popcorn around and having a great time. You know, it was a party at the movie theater. Yeah, and see, this is what the ghoul was saying is like, okay, maybe it wasn't so much fun to watch it for our home viewing. But again, to have been able to be back in the day in that experience, it probably had to have been, in my opinion, a hell of an experience just to be able to watch a Castle movie. Yeah, and that's the actual gimmick because it is like – if they did this today, I think it would be a lot of fun, like the ghoul was saying. If they did, like, a Fathom event where they had Mr. Sardonicus, where they gave you the glow-in-the-dark card, I think everybody would have such a great time, like, you know, getting ready for the finale to decide the fate of Mr. Sardonicus. I think it would be a great time. I would mm-hmm. think, though, that they would have – I would think, though, they would have to find somebody to cut and shoot an alternate ending so that if those cards go mm-hmm. the other way, because, you know, people yeah. are these days, you know what I mean? We're going to want to see one ending or the other, and I would prefer for it to be fair. I mean, any one of us can watch this movie and see its original theatrical release, exactly how he presented it at that time. But, you know, that's that's the flea circus, like, you know, described in Jurassic yeah. Park. People would come yeah. and mm-hmm. look at the, the little things moving and doing this and that and be like, oh, look at the little fleas. You know, but the reality was they weren't there. They were mechanical. They were bullshit. You know, <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it right and give us the real thing. Give us a little bit of audience participation. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. Um, but talking about the movie, we can introduce to Sir Robert, who in 1880s London, you know, is kind of a, a guy ahead in his field in medicine. He's been knighted by the Queen. He's coming up with these different things to uh, solve people's afflictions, including creating the first hypodermic needle. It's a hollowed-out needle, and we can actually inject it into people and solve a lot of problems. And they're like, whoa, bro, this is crazy. Like, the needle? Like, yeah. It's hollowed? It's hollowed? Get the fuck out of here, dude. Like you're crazy, dude. You're you're a crazy doctor. He's like, I know. It's gonna solve a lot of shit. <laughs> you want to push it into people? <laughs> That's what you're gonna do now. Okay. Now they get to bypass the whole entire digestive system, and instead they go yeah. right to the bloodstream. <laughs> yeah. Dino I just, DNA. I, I love it. <laughs> I just I uh, love the attention he's talking about. <laughs> yep. And then you have Sir Robert getting the letter uh, from uh, Maud, you know, with the Sardonicus stamp on it, saying, "Hey, 
So anyway, I know we used to be together, but we're not anymore. I married this dude. Uh, shit's going down. So can you cut the Gorslava for a minute? Because yeah. we need your help. And he's like, and by the way, he, go away. Yes. He's a, <laughs> I'm taking a boat yeah, in the train. He's a baron. He's rich as fuck. Can you come to our castle <laughs> and take a look and take a look at my husband? You know. <laughs> yeah. But P.S. Shit's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Where it's like, yeah, I'm kind of in trouble if you don't come. So can you please, <laughs> you know, just come quick? And he's like, right away. I'm gonna go to Gorslava. I'm gonna take a boat and a train. But like you said, okay, it sets the setting of 1800s. It sets it really fucking yeah. quick. All right, and me personally, I'm enjoying the acting of the people that I'm seeing on screen so far. You know, it's it's not it's not schlocky in my opinion. Everyone was doing their best to try, and this is how I, I took it anyway, was to try and get that classic feel of the acting that was being done in Universal monster movies. You know, it, it struck me mm-hmm. as everyone was try, trying to do their acting with their vocal powers to be able to, you know, enunciate the best they could to that. Yeah. So we're stuck, you know, so we're, we're, yeah, so we got the setting, we got the costumes, but like you said, this movie doesn't drag at all. It's like, we, we get 15 minutes in the movie and boom, you know, we're off. He's there. You know, not, yeah, yeah not like, not, yeah, not like the Universal Monster movies where, you know, the first 45 minutes was set up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Castle was moving for time. <laughs> you know, he's like, let's go, let's go. Every an hour and 30 minutes, we're going to move his right to Gorslava where he meets Kroll. The assistant to Sardonicus, who's missing an eye, which I love it in a way because it's such a horrible appliance. Kind of missing an eye. It's such a bad appliance. Because every time he moves his face, you can see it lift up on his cheek. Yeah, it looks like someone just put, you know stuck some cookie dough over his face, like he instead of an actual appliance. It looks like somebody comes eye, and he's like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I guess his cum stuck in my eye. That's what movie. Oh, oh, look, hair gel. <laughs> I mean, I like the character of Kroll. He was a great character, but yeah, the makeup oh. appliance that they put on his face was just so bad. Yeah, oh, yeah it kept actual... lifting up. Like I noticed that it kept like popping up, like right over his cheek. <laughs> you can see like this this yeah. large gap in between it. But you know, I mean, listen, the, the effects they had or what they had at the time, and you know, it's probably just a little bit of gum or something. Yeah. yeah. That's all. That's just you know, right. but, but you know but, they had to do it quick. Good. But, um, the, but but yeah, but the actual character of Kroll was dark and pretty fucked up because he comes across as you know super nice, super helpful. You know, very 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 Igor. You know, but yeah. accommodating. Um, but you know he definitely has a fucking dark side, and we get there real quick as soon as we get to the castle because <laughs> waste no time. Because, I love yeah, it. because <laughs> as soon as he gets there, he's as like, soon as what the fuck's going on? <laughs> Yeah. Oh shit! There's a bitch tied up with leeches. What the fuck's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love how Cole says, "Well, you know, leeches are used for afflictions." And he's like, "What is this affliction she has? None." <laughs> nope. Just felt like tying her up and putting leeches on her skin. She's like, "Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me go." I love in the next scene she shows up and has nothing on her face. But there's no yep. marks. There's nothing. It's like, wait, didn't you just have leeches all over your face? No, no, we don't have money. We don't have money to show leech bites. So we just have okay, to assume so, that you're going to know who that is. Well, but no, but they did have a pretty decent effect, though. As soon as they took the leeches off, you did have a really nice shot of her with oh, all of the bite marks all over her face. Yeah, you know, it was yeah. a nice little effect. 
you know, I enjoyed it. <laughs> it wasn't bad, but yeah. But when you see her later, when she's talking to Sir Robert about how you have to keep them from torturing me and keep them from putting me away, yeah, her face is fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, she, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, like perfect. She, she recovered quick. Yeah, she's a healer. That's why they use her. That's why she's the guinea pig. <laughs> yeah. But what I did like, and I want to go to the ghoul on this one, what did you think about the look of Sodonicus when he first shows up wearing that uh, weird kind of flesh mask, which is always kind of shiny, like it's sweaty, like at all times. Like, I <laughs> love the effect, especially for 61, because it was a great-looking face. Yeah, no, I, I, I did like the mask. Um, I thought it was cool. I thought the, uh, you know, the, the even the effect without the mask, with the the big smile and everything. Again, oh, hell it, yeah. it was a great it was a great effect for its time. Um, you know, I know it took a took quite a while for them to put it on. It was like a couple pieces of uh, prosthetic yeah, put on there, and 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 Guy Rolf did not like it, so he would only keep it on no. for like a short period of time. Hence, why they kept Bitch. it in a mask for the majority of the movie. <laughs> and I thought the mask was better. Like, I love the effect when they take off the mask and you see the grin on his face. But the mask, oh. I thought, works so much better. Because you can't the really see his eyes that well. Creepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it just looked like a big piece of melted whack over his face. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that was constantly just wet. <laughs> you know, it just yeah. looked like it was just covered in some kind of sweat. Um, I liked it more than, like I said, the grin. Like, the grin is great, especially for 61. Uh, for the reveal, but at the same time, the mask just was so much more effective. Especially when he talks and you can see his throat jumping up and down like he's talking. But you can't see anything because mm-hmm. it's just a face. Like the lips don't move. You know, mm-hmm. he's talking about how he has to eat his food, and, you know, like liquid wise, and, you know, it's, it's really the good. The eyes really are just well black. Kyle's eyes, mm-hmm. dead eyes. <laughs> but yeah. what did you guys think about the, the story? of how Sardonicus became Sardonicus. <laughs> to me, I laughed with it. I thought it was hilarious. The fact oh, that like, you have Sardonicus and his father, uh, you know, mm-hmm. who's like, oh, I'm going to play the lottery, dudes. And he's like, uh, no, mm-hmm. you're not, because we don't have a lot of money, you know. Mm-hmm. He's like, but I did. I, I played the lottery, and I think this is a good one. And then he dies. And they're like, well, fuck, dude. Man, why are you dead? But no, you won. <laughs> That's why he's totally this time it's Look at the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Look, seven, no. seven, or seven. He won. Where's that ticket? Well, it was in his vest. The one we buried him in? <laughs> <laughs> it just happened oh. to be that one that they buried him with. And this and is what I, I love. This is love that fact, like, uh, I love the fact that yeah, the newspaper, you know, published... Like, on there, the name of the person <laughs> yeah. who won the lottery, you know what I mean? But I guess in small town back then, maybe that's how it was done and whatnot. But mm. I don't know. Like, oh, I, I don't I, – I might be the ghoul. I, I don't lay with dead things oh, yeah, often. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that. Um, when I do, when I, do I, I, I do put some nice smelling lotions and stuff like that on it. Uh, I would have absolutely no qualms, no psychological problems, no issue whatsoever. If I had to go down – Dig up my mom or my dad, pull a lot of ticket out of their fucking dead sphincter if that's where it was stuffed, man, just so that I could have a couple million bucks, man, then I would do it. Hello, help. Sorry, yeah, mom yeah. and dad. <laughs> 
But the fact that yeah, I was going to talk about that. The fact that he talks about Ghoul so much in the movie, I'm like, oh man, Ghoul Geek yeah. must be loving well, this movie. Well, <laughs> that, that, that 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 was one of the reasons why it helped me pick this movie, though, is just because they kept emphasizing ghouls, you know, and what <laughs> ghouls were, and you know <laughs> what they did, and I was like. Well, Thanks, I got to pick this for the fucking shit. I was like, I got to pick this for the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The movie's like, ghouls yeah. like to dig up the dead and fuck their bloody sphincters. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> man. Thanks, monkey. You're the best. You're the ghoul. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't worry. Next week you can do monkey shine. <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna put on monkey documentaries, man, of them like, you know, I don't know, there's that one where the one monkey sticks his finger up his ass and then smells it and falls off the fucking yep. fence or the tree or whatever. If fainting monkeys. <laughs> yeah, the the talk but, about ghouls is great. I love the opening with Wayne Castle where he's like, Hello my homicidal uh, friends. Welcome to eighteen eighties <laughs> London. Glad you guys could join us. We're going to be talking about a movie that involves ghouls. What's that definition yeah. of ghouls, you ask? Well, let me look it up real quick. All right, all right, G, 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 ghouls, ghouls. All right, ghouls, we got it. Those who dig up the dead and eat the corpses. And this is what that movie's about, ladies and gentlemen. So one of you lay back and get excited and watch Mr. Dodonicus. Like, to open that movie that way. Like, you know, I was like, oh, ghouls. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah to open bodies. that movie. No, but to open that movie, like, straight up Hitchcock. You know, to have yeah. the balls to be able to go right up against Hitchcock with that kind of opening. <laughs> he was always yes, facing and Hitch- Hitchcock, always Hitchcock was also very uh, stoic and creepy. Mm-hmm. And, like, he just had that look. You know, whereas I think Castle was going for an entirely different thing. It was almost sarcastic. Was, yeah. It was jovial. It was, like, happy. And, yeah. like, like he seemed completely, like, thrilled and pleased with, with not only that definition, but the fact that we were going to watch a movie about it. Um, you know, which I think was very much different than what you were seeing with a lot of other host type of, of things like that at the time. Oh, yeah. He was definitely – he was chasing after Hitchcock. But he wanted to be the opposite. He wanted mm. to be the anti-Hitchcock. He wanted to have fun, and that's what you see in the opening. Lighting up his cigar, you know, up against the backdrop of E.T. Mm. He's London with his little mm. hat on. Right. You know, he was just smiling yeah. at the camera. Having that, a good terrible, that terrible yeah. backdrop. <laughs> yeah. Clearly not actually London, but just a paper backdrop. Look at what that. What are you talking about? It, it was so wet. It made me, like, you know, you can't like the matches. I was totally convinced. What are you talking about? But yeah, and the and the attitude that uh, Castle brought to it, like I don't know about you guys, seems like Vincent Price kind of picked up that attitude as well with his horror stuff when he was off doing things when he was get, doing guest star stuff on other shows and whatnot. He definitely seemed to be bringing that attitude of yes, I'm a horror, yes, it's welcoming, but I'm going to be very jovial about it at the during the entire time. Well, because they were fun back in the day. You know, that's mm-hmm. what Vincent Price, when he did interviews, always said. Horror's fun. Like, you know, you could have a fun scare at the theater. It's not all dark, and it's not all weird castles and shit. Like, you can go to a horror movie and have a good laugh. You know, yeah. that's what he tried to say in interviews back then is that you shouldn't be condemning these horror films. They're actually a lot of fun when you watch it. And especially when yeah. you work with Castle. He always enjoys himself. <laughs> but 
after digging out the lottery ticket from the the sphincter of his dead father, you know, who I recognized as the elder uh, Mexican from from the village of of Magnificent Seven. So, you know, yay! Good catch. I, I recognized. Uh, yay! <laughs> um, wow. No idea. So, that was so a great catch. no. So, so I was completely confused as far as why you know they're in Europe and his dad is definitely Mexican. I couldn't understand that at all. <laughs> yeah. But, no. <laughs> but, but hey, we'll take it. Run with it. You know, he's so traumatized by this that we get this great moment of the first reveal, and I just dug it of coming home to his bitch wife. You know, who's obsessed with money. Um, you know, but he's got the lottery ticket. But it's all dark, and she cuts on the lights, you know, going, oh, you know, let me cut on the lights. And we just get we get that very Phantom of the Opera moment of, yeah. you know, boom, yeah. scary face right, right in your face. And that's when we get the first reveal. Yeah. The wife who killed herself because of it. <laughs> I love at the end of that. <clears throat> that she committed suicide because she saw his face. Because his father Is that had what happened to her? <clears throat> yeah, she committed suicide. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she yeah she committed suicide. Died by her own hand. <laughs> mm-hmm. Were the exact words in the movie? Um, I, yeah, I missed a line and I wondered. I wondered what had happened. I figured that maybe. I, don't know, I thought maybe he killed her. I don't know. Was, was... No, she couldn't handle his face. No. She killed herself. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. why. Wow, he, man! You know, it's time to experiment on women. <laughs> you know, and trying to find the right woman. That could take away that grin that was on his face, and he just couldn't find the right mm. one. So he's just piling up bodies until he meets Maud, and then he finds out that her ex-lover is actually a doctor who could probably solve this problem. So he's like, all right, I've killed, like, what, 50 women? Yeah, I'm on 51, and she knows a doctor, uh-huh. so let's get her in here. <laughs> <laughs> and I just don't understand and, why killing the women was supposed to help him that. in any way. <laughs> I know. Okay, well, okay. Because well, they whoa, do a show in the movie. No, well, hold on, because what are you talking about? They show it because I didn't take it as uh, him killing them at all. I took it as he was pleasuring himself with them. No, he was killing them. Yeah, he was definitely killing uh-huh. these women because they show it in the movie when he gets the woman in her chambers and he's like, "That's the one. I like that blonde. She's got big tits. Let's keep her." And then next thing you know, she's screaming, and they never see her again. So I had to yeah, that he was killing. Okay. Okay, no, she's screaming. All right, because he you see him start to take off the mask, all right? And I and see this is where I took it completely opposite, okay? Is because, you know, never see her again because they pay her off and then she gets the fuck out, all right? But he's choosing a woman to hook up with for the night because Maud isn't putting out. Maud has never put out. All right? Ever nope. since they got married, Maud has never put out. And that's why I took it as Kroll goes and gets, but Kroll goes and gets a bunch of chicks, and then he picks one. Kroll's <laughs> got some chicks. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but but Kroll but brings the chicks back to the lair. All right, and I took it as Mrs. Mrs. Donagus picks picks one. That that's why she gets the extra gold pieces because he gets the hookup, and I took it as he was just you know getting his nut on. I no, take it I as killing. Yeah, I definitely think yeah. he was butchering these women after he was done with them. Uh, yeah, you know what, man? I'm, uh, I am I don't know where or what I thought was going on with him. You know, like I remember seeing the scene with the girls coming in. I know he picked the one that was fair because um, it was skinny and buxom and this and that, dark and 
and, and all that. But uh, yeah, you know what? They they really didn't let us know what happened to him. We don't find out if you know Crawl had to get rid of him or 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 what. We just kind of are left to, I guess, your own yeah. imagination as to, to what yeah. he's doing with him. Yeah, because the yeah. because the only the only thing we get from that entire scene is we get the the door closes. We see him start to mess with his mask. We hear the scream mm-hmm. after the door closes, and then Maud later addresses him, going, "And don't think I don't know about the women." That's it. Oh, I'm sure she does. So, but yeah, no. But again, you know, it doesn't say whether or not he's killing them or not. I don't she know, just says, "Don't, I don't, know about don't think women. I don't know about the women." Yeah, I know yeah. about them. He, he I know about like the women. She knows how dark he is. Yeah. He looked like a man. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, like I like what the girl said, and I think that adds an extra element to the movie where it's like you could just kind of decide for yourself what he's doing with them. Maybe he's just fucking them and then letting them go with some gold pieces, or maybe he's killing them. You know, then you have Crow having to deal with the aftermath and having to get rid of these I bodies. I mean, the, the Wikipedia has it listed that he's experimenting on them. Um. Okay. So I don't know how the hell you take that. You know what I mean? <laughs> what do you mean by experimenting on them? What the fuck are you doing to them? You know, like we know he's doing these experiments supposedly, but I mean, is it a reva- like maybe he's experimenting on them with different styles of medicines or whatever it is that he's trying to do to cure himself, but he's doing it on the women. Maybe. So, as a revenge for his deceased wife that, you know, killed herself for seeing his face? I don't know. Well, no idea. And that's, what leads me, and that's what leads me to this, though, is that when he tells Sir Robert, you have to cure me, you have to figure out what to do about my face, and you have Sir Robert agreeing and trying to do these things to get rid of his affliction that don't really work. So when they don't work, that's when Sardonicus is like, all right, I'm going to tie you the fuck up. I'm going to tie Maud up, and I'm going to cut her goddamn face off if you don't figure out how to get this thing off of me. <laughs> and he's like, all right, well, I mean, that's fair. I guess I'll figure out how to do this because there's a poisonous <laughs> plant that I found out about I'm going to have to send for from my lab. And then he proceeds to experiment on a bunch of fucking dogs, and he's like, oh, that didn't work. That's another dead one. Oh, well, that's another dead one. Like, yeah. Like, what are you and, doing? And Kroll just keeps walking out with dead dogs every five minutes out of the lab. Yeah, I know. You have these wooden crates full of dogs. I'm like, oh, no, not the dogs. Yeah. Not the dogs. <laughs> me, 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 meanwhile, the dog the dog population in Gorslava is plummeting. Yeah. Everybody's like, where are our dogs? We don't know where they are. Yeah. Crow, do you know where our dogs are? No, I don't. You fucking peasants, get away from me! Right, but we have this, you know, you know, we have a montage of because even Rocky had a montage. montage. <laughs> yeah, of him experimenting, doing things. Because again, you need to yeah. experiment on a dog, and you don't want to show it dying. You need a montage. <laughs> Motherfucking montage! <laughs> yeah, literally all that montage is. <laughs> Him throwing dog bodies yeah. out going, well, that didn't fucking work. Well, all right, well, we got this. Nope, that didn't work either. Hey, so, uh, uh, Baron Sardonicus, why don't you join me in that fucking dark room they have over there 
We have your father's body in here. Ooh, look at that. Hey, look at him. He looks it's good. Just... We're going to tie in his hair so he can't fucking get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, so Robert has the, the hypodermic needle. Oh, shit. He's got it. Oh, he's he... <laughs> yeah, with the plant extract, and it's going to do it. And now, okay, but. Then, okay, we're going to sit there and dial it back to 1961, all right? Is this effect, again, of being locked in a room, all right, with the scary face and all that? I like the fa- fact that we just have a second of boogie, being boogie. locked in the – yeah, of <laughs> just being locked in the room. You're being locked in there. All the lights go out. You just hear them screaming. I, and then, like Andy likes to say, theater of the mind as far as what's going on in there and you know I, I just enjoyed that they had that little moment there of just ghoul being locked up with a ghoul it kind of cracked me up though when he got put in there and he's being tied to the chair and he's like well you have to be tied to the chair in case you have a violent reaction so we're going to put you here with this little candle uh, crawl crawl listen to me guy we're going to walk out of the room <laughs> because we have to leave him alone and he's got to figure this out on his own crawl. shut up crawl I know you want to fuck that mate, but you can't do it right now because we have shit to do. So let's Come go out of the room and hear what he's going to do. Come on, then the camera goes out and goes, oh, no, don't leave me alone in the room. It's dark in here, y'all. It's dark. I don't want it to dark. Not like this. Oh, wrong movie. Sorry. That's the first thing that came into my head. Not like this. Whichever one, it, whichever one it is in the Matrix, you know, Switch or APOC, I don't know. The, the two of them are interchangeable. Oh. But, like, you know, when he's pulling the plug and the one's sitting there next to the other and she's like, not like this. Not like this. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, was, that yeah. was Switch. <laughs> but the whole point of that for them put him in the room with his body, with his father's body is to recreate the trauma that happened to him when he dug up the grave in the first place. So they're hoping that the plant will reverse it and he'll go back to normal. So we're going to have him scream, not like this, you know, daddy, no, in the fucking dark. Meanwhile, Crow's like, he's dying. We have to let him out. No, Crow. No. Bad Crow. Bad Crow. Down. Down. Whack. Whack, whack. Yeah. Do you want another hit by the newspaper? Do you want another we have to have well, let I, this right. We have to let him write it out because this is going to solve I, it. But, Thank you, Crow. But but I I do many things for for Master. <laughs> I, I do, do many sexy things for Master. Yeah, you see they right now. <laughs> but yeah, anything and, he wants, he gets. If he wants a piece of the crow, like, he gets the crow. If, like my if he dick. wants an eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then we have the moment of the great reveal, and he comes back in, and boom, his face is beautiful. You know, <laughs> he looks like Aww. Ernest. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, but he cannot. He's sp- but he cannot speak. He yes, he's cured, but he cannot speak. No, no, because <laughs> Sir Robert tells him, "Do not try to speak." Your, the muscles in your face cannot handle trying to speak. Just sit there and be quiet. Don't say a fucking thing, asshole. <laughs> you know? Which I thought was great because Sardonicus completely believes it, which goes back to this part of the movie where he got it in the first place because of him seeing his father's body. He completely believes this. So Sir Robert saying, you're not going to want to talk because of your jaw muscles. They might fall the fuck off if you start talking. So 
keep them closed, and in a couple hours, you might be able to talk again. But in the meantime, we're going to get the fuck off this island, bro. <laughs> okay, okay, no, 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 but... But but okay all right you can't I can't talk then fine I'm gonna write really really angrily I'm gonna sit there and write some letters to you and I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna be really pissed while I'm doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. but I love the fact, yeah, that he so that I'm he the, writes the one letter and he puts the sardonicus seal on it. Like, why? Yeah, you don't need to. Do, you're giving it to them. You don't need to put the seal yeah. on it. Well, it's for, <laughs> probably for legal purposes, though. He's annulling the marriage. Oh. So for uh, legal yeah. purposes, you need that stamp to show that it's definitely him. Yeah, yeah because he does because write the letter to Sir Robert about the fee, and he just hands it to him. Like, it's not a sealed letter. He just hands the letter to him saying, what's your fee? And he goes, oh, no fee. We're cool. Got you, bro. You know, you're cured. I yeah. don't want no fee. I want your wife to see <laughs> but then he writes yeah. another letter going, yeah, you know, hey, just so you know, I never tapped that ass. <laughs> yep. Never hit it once. Sir Robert, that pussy is tight, bro. Got <laughs> but Crow's been rocking her asshole for the last couple of weeks, man. <laughs> yeah, no. You better, Crow you better stay away that from that singer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you do no, not want to go no. anywhere near Maud Butthole. Please, sir. No, you don't even need to no. push the poo. <laughs> Just no, falls no, out. She sits down no, the, and tumbles yeah. out her hole. <laughs> Damn. No, and the crow. Crow is knocking the maid. I think because we because of all the torture scenes and stuff like that. And you know, it was like you know, oh, you'll do anything I want, right? Oh yeah, anything you want, Crow. Just get the leeches off. And he was like, ha, ha, ha. but oh yeah, dude. Crow was dipping his dick in that jar bit. full of leeches, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That made I thought she liked it from Crow when he had her tied up and she had her feet touching the ground. He's like, oh, I'm gonna put these leeches on. She's like, Oh no, Crow, yeah. no, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that, and, Daddy. And the, What's that? And the I like when the leeches the suck on my dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got four on them as we speak. <laughs> but Sir Robert's like, cool, you know, hey, I, I don't want your money. I just want to get the fuck out. But Be gone. Not only does he, but not only does he, yeah. I don't, I don't want your money. Be, I just want your hoe. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but then when he, when he rolls out, he takes both of them. He takes Maud and the maid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a pimp. He's, 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 he's a pimp, dude. Well, he's rocking that. He's rocking that Michael Hasselhoff like he's got that perfect Michael Hasselhoff like hair. So of course you're gonna sit there and rock that shit out. David Hasselhoff. Yeah, that one. (laughs) Michael Hasselhoff. (laughs) Michael Knight. No, no, I was was getting it. It was Michael Knight. He was combining his character in Knight Rider with the guy's (laughs) real name. Yes, I Hi, I'm Michael you. Hasselhoff. My brother's David. I like things. <laughs> I like things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. stuff. <laughs> I do I like love Martin. stuff. You I guys like, like things. David <laughs> likes things, too. <laughs> I do like to eat cheeseburgers off the bottom of my shower stall. <laughs> my brother was a night rider. What was your brother in? I don't know, Michael. 
Was you going to Baywatch? Yeah. My brother is a homicidal <laughs> car, Michael. Thanks, Mr. <laughs> I like car, too. Did you like Kit? I like car. <laughs> Shut up, Michael. Stop giving your opinion on this. But, yeah, so, so Robert makes it to the train station. Good thing, because train's going to be there in an hour. You know, as as opposed to Parasa Salava, where you know the train should be there, you know, very soon, mm. like like seven years. <laughs> but soon. But but they're there. You know, the train should be there within an hour, and then in comes Kroll, <laughs> and he's like, "It's a Kroll, motherfucker." He had his glaive. He was ready to save the princess, you know, against the weird demon thing, the red-headed hot chick, man. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Rob take me with you. Some crawl. Don't I you want me to come too, sir, Robert? No crawl. Stay behind. <laughs> but I do bust that too, sir, Robert. But I brought my leeches. <laughs> <laughs> but please, take me with you. <laughs> I like to do sexy things too, Sir Robert. <laughs> I can do a lot of things they don't know what to do with. <laughs> but he's pleading to Sir Robert <laughs> that the Baron cannot eat, he cannot move, you know, his jaw will not move. With all of his strength, Crow cannot move his jaw, you know, and Sir Robert is going, dude, chill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, relax, bro. Stop complaining, bro, dude. Bro. <laughs> bra, bra, it, it, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, come Listen, on, bro. Man. I got these two finest bitches. It's I got to fuck in the train here, back. Dude, it's <laughs> all in his head, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's psychosomatic, bro. As soon as he realizes that, he's gonna be completely fine. Yeah. All right, bitches, yeah. I'm out. So Robert <laughs> might drop. <laughs> right, which is when Sir Robert explains. Yeah, the whole thing was nothing but wa- water. It's stuck in his face because that sounds safe. <laughs> and then the shock yeah. treatment. <laughs> you know, we're mostly we're mostly made heart. of water. You can, you can inject water into our into our skin, and our bodies will simply mm-hmm. absorb it. It'll give you what what'll feel like a blister under your, your yeah, epidermal yeah, exactly. layer for a little bit, but then it will yep. just simply absorb. Completely I've seen safe. Videos of that. Uh, mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. But, yeah, he explains, you know, that, again, it was just hypodermic needle, nothing in it, but it was a fucking hypodermic needle straight from Scotland. <laughs> but either way. Scotland, bitches. You know, <laughs> you know, and that it will wear off. And all he's got to do is go home and tell the Baron that it will wear off. And yeah, that's your one job, could... Crow. That's your one job. Yeah. And then the screen cut. And we're back to William Castle on screen. And now it's hey, time, folks. folks Did you miss <laughs> For you, all of you. And now it's time for all of you to vote for who's going to be America's Got Talent's next superstar. Is by pulling up your thumbs up or thumbs down on what you want to do. And and um, I, I had Ian sit there and watch this part with me, um, my son. And, you know, and he plays with it. You know, you're supposed to hold up your card and... William Castle's acting like he's counting up the cards that are in the movie theater. He's talking it. to supposed yeah. he, he he's talking to supposed members that are in the audience. You know that couple that are making it out in the back. Is that one vote or two votes? 
the, the kid that's jumping around, can you stop? I need to read the cards. You know, he's Yo, that talking chick to the back audience. There that I see blowing that guy. Do me a favor. Pull up your head yeah. for a second so you can put a vote in, please. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yo, those this, Navy, guys, those two Navy guys over there. I, I, please yeah. take your hands out of each other's lap for a couple of minutes just so you can hold up your gods. <laughs> The chick giving a low job. This is not free Willy. Would you cut it out? All right. <laughs> yeah, man, don't don't knock free Willy. Bro. <laughs> but no, no. But then this is also where my son appreciated it is because then the film after he counts the vote, a blow job? He goes, all right. <laughs> no, would you shut the fuck up for a second? <laughs> is uh, no because after he acts like he's counted the votes, then he talks to projectionists, going, okay, we've got the vote. Play the right reel. And the the film actually pauses and goes black for a second, like someone taking a no second. <laughs> and it never yeah. went back. <laughs> no, but it Kinda goes like black. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you. But yeah, <laughs> moving on, and then we get Na- into Naomi. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's I'm Yeah, it's I'm backwards. Hell yeah, it is. Because yeah. when you get her back, when you get her backwards, that's all I'm gonna do all night long. I'm gonna be the one moaning. But anyway, so we get so we get the more punishment reel because that's the ending that we all voted for according to the castle. And King, would you like to take it from here? Well, because there was only one ending film, and it was the punishment reel, which is that Sardonicus has to live with that affliction for the rest of his life. The studio wanted him to do another one, and they said, let's just do fun thing, and we'll do a fun ending where Sardonicus is like a good ending. And he's like, yeah, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it. It's going to be fine. I'll do it. And, and like, okay, and are you sure? Promised. And he's like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it, guys. I got the good ending. And, We're going to do it. And he totally promised the studio that he was going to do it, too. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you guys, don't even worry about it. I got this. I got the good ending. I'm going to give it to the projectionist to every theater I go to. It's not going to be a problem. But every teaser that got the cut is always the same one with no mercy because William mm. Castle didn't want there to be a good mercy card. He wanted yeah. there to be everybody getting the no mercy yeah. card. Mm. Right. But at the same time, though, it, this, in effect, actually fooled Ian because after we watched the ending, Ian was like, was honestly like, okay, so, so what was the good ending? Do, do you have footage for that? And I was like, no. That was the beauty about it because, again, you know, Castle was also a con artist on top of it. You know, he was a, he was a yeah. showman. He was, you know, he was the king of schlock. There was no good ending, dude. And, you know, even my nope. son was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, and the footage, you know, I would really like to find is the drive-through, uh, the drive-in uh, yeah. theater experience because he did cut oh. a drive-in sequence. That has still been not found, but there is a sequence that he filmed for drive-ins where he said, if you want the no mercy, flash your headlights off and on, off and on, off and on. If you want the good ones, just turn them off. Oh, <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. He did one just for drive-ins, and that's mm. still something that people are searching for, mm. is that real him saying, you people at the drive-in, you and the Chevrolet. If you want it, flash your things on, you know, and if you don't want it, turn them uh, on. So he was trying to mm, cater to the drive-in audience yeah, as well. Mm. Oh, very okay. cool. Yeah, that's very cool. But we get but we get to our ending, and I got to tell you, I fucking love the ending um, because we have Kroll returning to the castle, and 
he's getting ready to, you know, tell the Baron what happened, you know, and he's getting ready to give the information, but then he pauses for a moment and takes a moment to remember the the, the spear gum that's over his eye, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then he and he and then he tells the Baron that he just missed the train, and that Sir Robert, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sir Robert and. So Robert and all of his hoes on his hoe train are gone. <laughs> and, the <hoe> train. <laughs> yeah. And and then Kroll proceeds to sit down and be the biggest dick in the world and just starts throwing down on the food. He just sits there and starts throwing down on some of the wine that's in goblets like Flavor Flame. You know, he's in there eating oh, yeah. a lot. Eating lobster, eating chicken, you know, and then he keeps picking up these little cakes that look like brownie bites, you know. And my son was like, "Oh, look at these brownie bites! These are the shit, aren't they? Oh man, you want some Tardonicus? Oh no, no. Okay, I'll just eat these. Oh, you know." And Sardonicus goes into this rage of trying to shove food and drink into his mouth, but his jaw won't open. And he's like trying to shove whole fucking crab legs into his fucking mouth and shit. You know? <laughs> but that doesn't go well for him afterwards, Krull. <laughs> After Sardonicus throws his tantrum, like Kylo Ren, yeah, he's gonna be like, Krull, come over here for a second. I'm gonna be no. <laughs> no, cause I No, because I think we have a new Krull now. You know, um, where he he's willing to stand up for himself. You know, and well, if anything, all, and if anything else, all he's got to do is deal with it for five days because he'll be dead of starvation by that. <laughs> yeah, which I, I, I think once the doctor told Crow that this whole thing was in his head the entire time, it gives Crow an entirely different. It's a, it's a new power scheme going on over there. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, power play that he's completely <laughs> using, and I appreciated it to see Kroll using that to his advantage to, you know, Sodonicus, you know, just throwing a tantrum and then going to run up the stairs while Kroll's just like, I'm going to eat the rest of this shit, too. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Singing, I'm Henry VIII while I'm seeing he's throwing down on that shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. While you die of starvation. Henry VIII, I am, I am. Henry VIII, I am, I am. But, yeah, I mean, that's uh, Mr. Sardonicus in a nutshell. I mean, I honestly, I love William Castle in so many ways because of his movies, but I do feel bad for him towards the end of his career when he wanted to do a legit film with Rosemary's Baby. Um, He read the book by Ira Levin. He wanted to do a movie where he could go legit and make a scary movie, but because he was known as such a – Well, because he was known as such a schlock guy – and he was known as a gimmick guy. Nobody wanted to take him seriously. They're like, you're going to make a gimmick out of this. Like, you're going to have, like, a pop-up baby at the end. And it's going to have glowing eyes, and it's going to be all this bullshit. And he's like, no, no. I want to make a real He film. probably would, though. Yeah, he says that now. But you know what? The reality is we don't know how his vision of Rosemary's baby would pop out. You know, not, not, oh, no he had one. No, no pun intended. But, but, it, but, it came out, but it came out that way, see? Like, I don't even mean it as a joke, but that's just how it came out for me. And oh, I'm sure William you, Castle was the yeah. same way. There was only so much he was actually capable of doing as a director, you know, as far as making a film goes. He had certain sensibilities. Yeah, but he, right. he wanted Rosemary's Baby to be the legit film. 
the one that people looked at him and said, you know what? Yeah, he's a schlockmaster, but he can make an actual good film. And that's what he was trying to do. And Robert Evans at the time, who was the studio master, said, sorry, man. You're not the one that we want to mm. go with. We want to go with Roman Polanski. Mm. This guy's young. Yeah. He's youthful. He's going to make the movie that we want. Right. But then on top of all that, it's like he's the one that put up the money and made Rosemary's Baby happen. He, he you know, yeah. he bought the rights. You know, he got it going. Yeah. And um, then, you know, he just kind of got shunned by the studio. Ben, and then to piggyback on you super quick, because we have less than 10 minutes, is, yeah. For what William Castle did to the horror and the theater-going experience, I feel like you know he was pretty ripped off and not remembered very well for what he contributed no. to American cinema. You know, it's like you know he's seen as a lesser Alfred Hitchcock, but at the but like the ghoul was saying is going to the at the beginning of this episode, going to the movie theater is an experience, and William Castle knew that, embodied it, and then put his own thing on it to make the movie-going experience a brand-new thing that had never been done before. And in my opinion, it's just not remembered correctly. It's seen as cheese. It's seen as schlock. You know, but he brought fun to the cinema. He did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wanted to make the theater experience fun. And that's what a lot of people weren't trying to do at a certain point. They wanted to make it a, a serious thing. He wanted to make it fun. He wanted to make it a ride. But even he, at a certain point, said, you know what, I, I can't do this forever. Like, I want to make one film before I die that's a serious one. And he, unfortunately, got boned on it with Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. But he put all his money up, and in this one movie, I think this was going to be his swan song. This is going to be the one that, even though I'm a Schwachmaster, this is going to be the one that people remember me for. And they don't. Yeah, you know, he, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was like, yeah, just give me this chance to sit there and put out a serious piece. Just let me show you what I can do, and he was never given the chance. Like Burt no. Reynolds in Boogie no, no. Nights, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's a great point that you bring up. You know, I mean, he does have a cameo in Rosemary's Baby as a guy standing outside of the phone booth when Mia Farrow's character runs in and calls her doctor. You know, that was like right. a big contribution. It's like, yeah, that's Wynn Castle. Like, yeah, there he is. But, yeah, it's a, he wanted to make a serious film. Like, he didn't want to have the gimmicks. He wanted to make that one big one. That he could kind of rest his laurels on. And it never got made. I mean, like the goal had said, maybe he would have done the gimmicks. But, no, he always said in interviews he didn't want to do it. Like, he didn't want to have the gimmicks. He wanted to make a serious one. And I think I believe I just love, I think he really did. I love the idea of, like, little babies, you know, little plastic babies falling from the ceiling. I think that's fucking <laughs> hysterical, man. Or, or, yeah, or, baby, or, or baby does on catapult shoot, shooting into the mm. Shooting them into the audience. <laughs> you know, like they use those t- well, they use those T-shirt guns these days at like basketball games and shit like that. You fire out like a bunch of little miniature babies, man. That'd be great. Please, everybody gets please, somebody do this. Uh, full auto fetus. That's what we need. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everybody gets a yeah. baby tonight. Tunk 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 yeah. All right. So, uh, Ghoul, it is your picnic. The BFG, what do you have the baby firing gun, you know? Uh, so, <laughs> tooling around, I know what the Doc's pick is next week. Um, I had yep, something too. in mind for this week uh, that was going to be going towards uh, Rutger Hauer. 
Uh, instead, I'm going to change it up because I know the Doc's pick for next week will definitely be going to address that. Yep. I'll go with yep. something oh. that does involve a blind man, though. Um, not so blind in fury. some way, it's, uh, <laughs> it's hot, not yeah. blind fury, but Are we gonna in breathe? a similar vein, this will no, we'll be holding our breath and not breathing next week. So we will be doing 2015's "Don't Breathe." Oh, oh like shit! Steady Alvarez, right after the success of Evil Dead, made "Don't Breathe." Uh, yeah, great pick. Yeah, definitely appreciate that one. So we'll be talking about some modern horror with uh, "Don't Breathe." <clears throat> Good choice. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen the movie multiple times. I have it on on, uh, on Blu-ray, so I'm looking forward to going back to it. I've seen it a few times, but I want to go back to it for the show. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so, yeah, Don't Breathe, directed by Fetty Alvarez. Next week on the show, that's the Ghoul's pick. Uh, Monkey, thank you for your pick of Mr. Sadonicus. We'll be back here next week for Don't yep. Breathe. And, Don't you fucking breathe. And, and, <laughs> and I'm your Mad Monkey saying thanks for listening to my pick tonight. I hope you guys had a fun ride. And join us next week on Talking Terror, where we'll be covering Don't Breathe. <gasps> Thank you. Can I have right. 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 prick tonight? <laughs> I don't want to breathe in your prick. Maybe not so much my prick, but maybe not so much my prick. Nobody wants to breathe on your prick. But if it was my cock, but if it was my cock, and I maybe had a promo code for it. Oh, oh well, indeed. You, know, you know, if you go to bon- if you go to Etsy, right, and you search yeah. bonfire bead designs, all one word, you are going to find some of the most interesting, original, and unique jewelry that is out there. She handcrafts everything herself. It is awesome. There's rings, there's bracelets, there's necklaces, there's gemstones, there's shit that has meaning that I don't even understand. She normally gets that, and there's books written by better people than I that can tell you even more about it. But if you do, what I can show you is that if you put in a promo code of, you know, cock or pussy, or be like, hey, show me your cock or pussy, you will absolutely get yourself one wonderfully autographed picture of the ghoul's cock and a very wet, wide-open juicy pussy. That I can guarantee. Hey, hey. So, show so me good. the pussy! Show me the yeah, pussy! Go to, go to Bonfire Bee Design <laughs> on Etsy or Facebook. Show us the pussy. Show, well, I'll show you the pussy. You want to see the pussy? I'm going to show you the pussy. I'm going to show you the cock. The cock's getting big. Like right now. It's getting so big. So uh, responded. So big. So, so uh, veiny. You so you dirty. you wanna see the you you wanna see the ghoul's golden cock? Make sure you put in that mm. promo code. Uh, I want the and nice. you too you too can see the ghoul's golden cock. Just telling you. Love it's the there cock. <laughs> for you. Golden Place cock, an order. golden showers, we got it all. Place an order. Put in <laughs> the promo code. Golden showers fill the air. <laughs> Sorry. Those golden slumbers, my bad. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, boys. Why don't you go ahead and sign us off, Ghoul? Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. And as always, I am your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, saying stay tuned next week as we talk about Don't Breathe, directed by Fetty Alvarez. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. Hell yourselves. Hell Satan. Hell odorous. Fuck it. We're doing it all on Talking Terror.